Did you hear something? No. Hmm. Did I? I don't know. Hi, I'm Amanda Nazario, host of Simpsons Time Through the Debigulator with Amanda Nazario, which is a mouthful. And you can envision me at this point stepping on to the stage uh, with a tuxedo on a la Krusty in uh, the Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie episode. Because I want to urge you to stick around after the Simpsons time portion of the program for part one of my chat with Tom Sharpling about his experience writing for the Simpsons and just with the Simpsons in general. Uh, Yeah, so that's going to be going on this week. Enjoy! Episode number 172, the season premiere of season nine, was The City of New York versus Homer Simpson. This was directed by Jim Reardon, who did a gorgeous job with it. Um, the way the last shot of the show uh, happens, you know, over the Brooklyn Bridge, you know, when they're going out of New York and you see the skyline. I mean, it's just so beautiful that they run the credits over that um, and they do this, you know, just beautiful sweeping shot uh, as if they were in a Woody Allen movie or something. Is like a perfect way to cap off um, just a really, really striking looking show that featured realistic portraits of New York streets. Um, And that was thanks to David Silverman, who went to New York and took a bunch of pictures and had all of the animators copy them. And uh, the result is that the World Trade Center is just absolutely beautifully rendered and all the buildings around it, too, like, you know, the... The little repair shop and the pizza place that you briefly see, you know, are are also just right there um, in living color, even though they're not there anymore. It turn it ends up being like a crazily accurate document of late '90s New York City. This was written by Ian Maxstone Graham, uh, who also has a little bit of a cameo in the episode, um, because Ian Maxstone Graham is the model for Very Tall Man. Nobody ever makes a secret about that, but Simpsons writer Ian Maxstone Graham is very tall, and uh, he looks like that guy. You'll recall that as the Simpsons are uh, going through the Lincoln Tunnel on their way to New York to pick up Homer's car, Homer has a little bit of a run-in with the very tall man whose legs are sticking through the seat on the bus um, into Homer's lap. (laughs) 
I think this episode really is a love letter to New York City. I mean, all these different things happen that are... I don't know, like quintessentially Simpsons, but also quintessentially New York sort of at the same time. And it ends up just being a very, I don't know, almost like a wide shot Simpsons. Um, plenty of things happen. It's not like this is a quiet episode just of little um, vignettes of, oh, a pigeon stole my hot dog. You know, like there's plenty of plot in it. Um, but I don't know, something about the way it is rendered, you know, in the, just the look of Simpsons animated New York City. Um, gives it a more grandiose feel than any Simpsons episode before or since, I think. Ian Maxstone Graham is a native New Yorker. He grew up in Manhattan. So represent. And uh, in one of the commentaries, I heard him say that he was at uh, the camera shop B&H, which is run by Hasidic Jews. And one of the guys who served him uh, when he found out that he was a Simpsons writer said that he really, really loved <laughs> the joke where... Uh, where Bart sees Hasidic Jews on the street and mistakes them for ZZ Top. Uh, so that guy was appreciative. And so am I. I think that's really funny. You guys rock! Huh? Maybe a little. Um, not only does most of the action take place in New York, there's also a little bit of... Uh, very interesting stuff that happens in Springfield before they go to New York. Um, you will recall, as I said, uh, that they have to retrieve Homer's car, which was illegally parked, um, right in World Trade Plaza in between the Twin Towers. Um, but the reason why it was there is because Barney was so frustrated at having been the designated driver all night that he goes totally buck wild and steals Homer's car and uh, is not heard from for a month <laughs> or three weeks or something. And Barney returns uh, in the trunk of a limousine, but he doesn't remember where he put the car, so they have to uh, get a letter from the city of New York summoning them to, to pick up the car. And that's why they go. This episode, of course, after September 11th, 2001, was pulled from syndication, and it was not seen on TV for several years. They have resumed showing it, um, and I think that that is a smart decision. I'm glad that they did that, um, and I'm also glad that we've healed enough to once again laugh at jokes about the people uh, in the two towers hating each other and shaking their fists at each other because I love that joke they stick all the jerks in tower one says the guy from tower two and that is you know it's just like 
an amazingly great absurd visual that somebody near the top of the World Trade Tower can stick his head out and yell down to you as if, you know, you were in the old neighborhood. And that little button of <laughs> the, the big guy who leans out, you know, wearing the undershirt going, shut up, the both of is <laughs> Makes me laugh every time. The guy with the uh, string of laundry going between the two towers. Amazing! Yay! We also have a small flashback sequence that is beautifully done that is supposed to be set in 70s New York when everything was just terrible. Um, it was, the color in it is slightly less saturated to make it look like a 70s movie, like The French Connection or something. Um, and they use the Scott Joplin music uh, that is also used in the movie The Sting, which is one of those movies, to accompany a montage of Homer having bad things happen to him at Times Square in 1970-something, including uh, garbage dumped on his head out of a window by Woody Allen. So, hooray. Hey, Scott, is there a Phillips head screwdriver anywhere, John um, everyone but Homer loves New York, but Homer continues to hate it. He hated it back in the 70s, and his mind is not changed at all uh, because of this whole rigmarole that he has to go through with the car. Um, and it's really, they thought of everything, you know as far as having to be inconvenienced goes, he has to, you know, use a payphone and um, use like a touchtone phone in order to to plead out of his ticket. Um, and then, of course, the whole thing where he uh, eats clav kalash and many, many cans of crab juice, then has to go to the bathroom uh, and <laughs> like tries to still be touching the car but reach the pizza place at the same time oh, that's before he eats he really wants to go have pizza but he can't leave the car um, I like the way he's like stretching by trying to keep one part of his body on the car and stretch across the street um, but yeah even though so much else is happening at the same time they do a good job of making Homer seem bored and, you know, it uh, really impressing on you that he's waiting for a long time at the World Trade Center. Uh, so he has to go to the bathroom, then he goes to Tower One. That bathroom is out of order, so he has to go back downstairs and use the bathroom in Tower Two. By the way, every part of the World Trade Center observation deck, which I did visit a couple times as a child, is just, like, eerily accurate. It looks exactly like it used to. And the buildings themselves, I, um... This is funny. Just this morning on my way here, I was uh, thinking that they look kind of like the teeth of an escalator. 
you know, like that sort of ridged metal thing. Surface. Anyway, very, very well done. Um, Homer drives away with the boot on the car, finally, which uh, I have never tested. I don't know anyone who's tested it. I don't know if he can really do that, but um, that is what he does, and he's driving through New York, you know, bumping along, totally having destroyed his car. Though I love that he puts the turn signal on on his way out. You know, how the car is, like, just destroyed and bumping along. He puts the turn signal on. Um, as if uh, people wouldn't notice <laughs> this uh, Frankenstein car lumbering along. Meanwhile, Marge and Lisa and Bart are roaming through Chinatown, and they're looking at shoes in a window, and they go and see um, the Broadway play, Broadway musical, um, about the Betty Ford Center. Uh, the song of which writer Ken Keeler won an Emmy for, I just learned. Very interesting. I'm checking in, you're checking in. It's a very good, catchy song. Uh, yeah, and that's just, you know, like a little, very small play within a play. Um, and the, the main character is, uh, they make no bones about it. They... They based it on Robert Downey Jr., who was having such trouble at that time. But I look at it now, and it's like so, so much more looks like Charlie Sheen. So it's kind of great that no matter what era you, you're in, there's somebody who fits that stereotype who looks just like that. Um, the judge in that, I noticed, is the same model as... Um, later on, when Marge gets road rage and she has to uh, look at a video in a class... Uh, the judge who's driving in his car with a gavel and banging it and saying, I sentenced you to kiss my ass. That's the same judge uh, who sings part of Checking In. I should lock you away where you can't kill or maim us. But this is L.A. and you're rich and famous. So good, so good. What else can I mention? Oh, Flushing Meadows, uh, when Homer is fantasizing about going to the bathroom. That is uh, a little bit of a takeoff of The Land of Chocolate, you know, based on the success of that. Um, Homer's horrible, hideous face on the way out of New York when... Uh, the bag of medical waste hits him in the face through the shattered windshield is horrible. It's, I mean, it's like chillingly ugly. Um, and, you know, I don't want to go on too long, so I will end there, but for saying uh, that this is the first appearance of Duffman in the very beginning of the episode. Duffman comes in, and uh, this is another thing that makes Barney very upset because he can't enjoy Duff um, with the party car that comes in with Duffman. So, uh, historic for that reason, too. Thank you for listening to Simpsons Time. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm here with Tom Sharpling. Hi, Tom. Hi. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, Tom is the creator and host of The Best Show. He is a WFMU DJ emeritus. He's a veteran uh, TV producer and writer. And most recently, he has added to that list uh, Simpsons guest star. Yeah. And also Simpsons writer. So, yeah. congratulations. Oh, thank you. It's <laughs> insane. It's like, but it's only for one episode. I'm not actually, like, I don't want to make it seem like I'm like, like right, they're on the staff. Yeah. No, they, <laughs> they act, the writers actually write. I got to be a guest. So, but that's wonderful oh, that you got to do that. It's unbelievable. Um, and I've obviously seen, maybe it's not that obvious that I would have seen that, but the, uh, the episode that you and John Worcester did uh, was fantastic. Yeah, that it was, was really a, funny. That was a really good one. That was Brian Kelly wrote that one, mm-hmm. and he um, he is who I co-wrote the this that one I did with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and he's uh, he's been a producer and writer there for a long time, and so it was so flattering to have him ask us to do something yeah really really cool nuts and i i liked how they integrated your style of comedy into the simpsons just quite well i mean they really understood you know the routines that you do together and yeah incorporated them it was crazy because it was like they it's such a it's such an like an empire and the like you like they have set such a rhythm for comedy with the way guests work into the show and the way lines are delivered and all the stuff like that. So you're clearly, you're always joining their, their party and yeah. their thing and their flow. And But but there were like things carved out that I was very um, kind of flattered by that cool. it felt like it wasn't. It didn't feel like just anyone could have maybe done the thing we did, or maybe they could have. But I doubt it. I kept feeling like Key and Peel were going to show up, and just like <laughs> then it was going to be like, "Hey guys, we know we said this was going to happen, but Key and Peel can do it now." So, thanks. Right, right. Yeah. Maybe in ten years or so. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, and how was the experience of writing an episode? Did you just write one on spec and give it to them, or what? Um. It's funny, I had Brian and uh, other Simpsons writers um, trying to think who I met first with the Simpsons would be, I guess it would be like uh, Tom Gamble and Max Pross. Oh, wow, going way back. They, because they worked, they wrote episodes of Monk, Mm -hmm. so they would come into the Monk writer's room and... um, ask them questions about all the stuff and they you know they had been there for so much stuff and mm-hmm. and then they're still i think they're still listed there's they're still producers on the show they're not i don't think they're there every day on staff but i one time when i came by the office they were there working wow. so so i one i stopped by the writer's room a couple times over the last few years and i saw them there and so but they they were the first people I, I had met who had worked on the show. There's even a character named after Tom Gamble in one of the, the very, very early episodes. Oh, wow. Mr. Gamble shows up uh, as sort of the 
gallant to Homer's goofus at the company picnic. All right. That sounds familiar. <laughs> and when they drive off, they're like, uh, like heavenly beams of light shine uh-huh. over their car. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's said that if it was even a season later, it would be, uh, you know, someone like Flanders would fill that role. But sure. Uh, I think it's even season one of, yeah, the Gamels. Mr. Gamel and his family <laughs> show up. Where they're just kind of getting their footing on the, the like, the dynamics. Exactly. In the world, yeah. Yeah. So I guess but Brian Kelly was the first. Pro- Brian Kelly was just like, I like the best show, and I like the stuff you do with, you and John do. And I had stopped by the the writer's room when I was in LA one time and he gave me a tour and it was super exciting. And then it was always like, Hey, if you ever have an idea for an episode, you know, just don't be afraid to run it by me. Maybe it can be something. And then the John and I doing the voice on the show was almost like a thing that happened in between me finally coming up with something to pitch him idea wise. Great. And so we did that, and then a year later, I was like, "Hey, you know, I have a couple ideas." And then one of them, he was like, "Yeah, that's really." He's like, "Let's make sure that wasn't done uh-huh. yet." I'm sure that's what they have to do every time I, now. I I think it is, and there's like an institutional memory there that they kind of um, can make sure that ideas haven't been. That's that they did do some version of it to someone, someone, I don't know who it is or if it's a bunch of people, but it's just like, cause he came back. He's like, well, there's one that was like, not really the same thing, but, but this is, this idea is different than that. And uh-huh. we'll make it different than that. And it's like, would you want to, and he pitched it. We, we kind of wrote, we kind of broke the thing over the phone mm-hmm. and, um, then Brian pitched it, and then it was like, yeah, you guys, we're going to do an episode. So we wrote it, and I wrote half, and he wrote half, and then it got written. Awesome. And so I think at this point right now, it's probably being like rewritten by the, by the, the, the on-staff writers, like punched up and... So right, I think so, yeah, we're talking here in April 2017, uh, yeah. and it the the episode is set to air, uh, not set to air. It's a uh, it's going to air at some unspecified point in the future. I guess yeah, I guess it would be part of the next season. Mm-hmm. So whatever that lead time is on animation, I don't I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah, they say it's like six months to a year. So. Yeah, so I guess maybe this next April or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, so look for it. Yeah. That's so fascinating. That institutional memory thing is like particularly jumping out at me just so that they can plug in, you know, it's sort of like a like an algebra equation, you uh-huh. know, just uh, like a, I guess, mad lib of what oh, happens uh, in each episode. And then, um, I, yeah, I don't know how they do and it. If nothing comes up like, Oh, this happened before. <laughs> this clear, then, yeah. then they can green light it. I guess they just have to look at like the, the arenas that you're hoping to do a thing around, like, and see if there's been el- those elements happening in the show. And, right, right, right. And it's funny to watch the show, how they always still can keep things like, 
like new things do get introduced that didn't exist in the world when the show because the show's been on for such a long time it's like like i was watching one recent one and i was just like this could never have been a part of 1990 yeah, world, yeah because it just was a, it was an it was a concept oh it was one where it had to do with all of like um like trophies and awards and everybody like winning like to say like get rid of awards and like who uh-huh. like that's not a that's not a, like that's bad for kids the idea of everybody winning all the time is bad for kids and that's a, that's like a concept that was not a big thing 25 years ago that's true yeah that's right the whole uh uh values of everybody gets a trophy i mean i yeah. think that that's the the stock phrase now right everybody gets a trophy and that's why there's something wrong with millennials you know yes, because and, they've been raised always having trophies but it's like the show has been around like making fun of like generations of kids of like what kids were about in the early 90s and now it's making fun of them from a completely different angle totally but the kids are still the same age on the show yeah yeah Um, it's really interesting yeah i was thinking recently about how much i miss uh the gags about arcade games that they used to do Uh (laughs) uh-huh you know there were so many different ones like yeah escape from grandma's house and Uh, you know just uh to the uh you mentioned arenas you know just to the that whole set piece of the noiseland arcade and what happens there yeah and that's, you know, no 12-year-old goes to a place like that anymore. No, not. <laughs> it's like... I would not want my 12-year-old <laughs> going to an arcade. But I went when I was a kid. Now it would be like, it's the last place I would let a kid go. <laughs> right. But I, when I was there, I don't know what my parents were thinking, just letting me go to arcades. They it's barely like... let them play uh, interactive video games, you know, on their phones or on their yeah, De- the devices At against home. against strangers that they yeah. don't see the faces yeah. of. Yeah, I actually feel like that even now it's saying that out. You saying that out loud makes that seem even worse because <laughs> it's like a stranger is coming into your home now. Right, At, right. at least when you're at the arcade, somebody ostensibly owns this place and has to be like, "Hey, you can't do that in here. <laughs> I am the stop owner. Talking yeah. to that child. I'm the manager <laughs> yeah. of this place. I'm gonna. There's no manager." of of people doing xbox games probably sounds so old saying kid doing xbox games yeah you got a ps3 yeah you got a ps2 um i maybe this is a good segue for me to say to mention that i recently started playing the simpsons tapped out and i really think it's great i played it for so long and then i got tapped out of tapped out I can see that happening to me just because I don't want to spend too much money on it, but it's so much fun. Like, I love it. I, and the jokes are funny, too. <laughs> yes. It's really funny. Our characters got to be in the world of Tapped Out uh-huh. for, oh, right. for when, because they'll always, like, add the characters and things that are references to what's on, like, a new, like the upcoming episode. Like, they'll, like, they can, like, promote oh, the show on okay. the game. To be like, if this is coming up or that's coming up, they can sometimes tie it into the game. Oh, that's so, interesting. Now I understand. I've only, I've literally been playing it for only a week. Yeah. And there are oh, some people that I don't recognize yet. You, so now you I understand. You will get ready for, <laughs> you'll just be like, just, I'll uh, just buy 
ten dollars worth of donuts on this. <laughs> right. What's a, who that'll can, get me through the night? Who, who can that hurt? Because <laughs> like, I really need to build that. Uh, I really need to build that hospital for the thing, and I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait two weeks to get enough money to build the hospital. Yeah, those donuts. I played it and loved it so much, and was building, building, building. And then there was a point where I got so frustrated that I was not get that I was just like, I'm buying donuts. And then I bought more and then suddenly it's like, Oh, this is I can't go down this road you like this. You look at your bank statement the next it's day. Like, yeah, it's and like, it's like, Oh, good. I spent dollars. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like that was way too much money for a game that's like quote unquote quote free. <laughs> right. It's like, well, you can play it for free. You don't have to make the in game in app purchase as i think they call it where it's like yeah but it'll go so slow yeah, it's right. like oh good there's a free donut i got or i could go buy a whole bunch of donuts and suddenly have your whole city yeah there was a point where somebody had found like a, a like a cheat on it where you could get an infinite amount of donuts Whoa. and i had friends who just were just like yeah four million donuts <laughs> and i'm building basically a country here <laughs> And it's like, I think I might know one of those friends because I'm probably very, do very very mad at them whenever I look at their spring. Oh yeah, well <laughs> either either they took advantage of the of the glitch, or they are probably have some financial problem that they're going <laughs> to come to you later in life begging you for money because they right i know you understand my problem because you also play tapped out so yes you, know. you get <laughs> please, it amanda please <laughs> like... amanda you get help me i had to really work on crusty land <laughs> it uh no that game is i had to for for the good of my the quality for quality of life purposes i had to tap the brakes on me playing that game I'll say what my favorite joke is so far. Um, when I leveled up to, I think it was level 16 or mm-hmm. so, okay. uh, Grandpa appeared and said, this game is a lot like life. Eventually, it's not fun anymore, but you have to keep doing it. Yeah, that's, that's great. <laughs> it's an example of like how just enjoyable it is to play it. Yeah, and the writers, they work on the jokes on the game, so... Yeah, it's, so, it shows. I mean, it, it really is not, it doesn't seem fake at all. Yeah, no, it's really true to the voice of the show. Yeah. Hey, friends of mine who are listening now who play Tapped Out, make sure you play quite regularly so that I can still visit your Springfields and get friend points. Because not enough of you are playing the game, and that really hurts my friend points score. This has been Simpsons Time Through the Debigulator for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I'm very, very serious about that friend points thing. Um, And I'm also very serious when I say that the second part of my interview with Tom uh, will air on the podcast next week. So make sure not to miss it. I will talk to you next week. Don't forget that you can follow me on Instagram at am underscore N-A-Z-Z is that one. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter, too, uh, at amnaz, A-M-N-A-Z. 
N-A-Z-Z. And that's the, the only social media stuff that I will talk about this time. Um, because I know that it's silly and awkward and I always feel self-conscious when I say it. Thanks for liking The Simpsons and um, liking this show. I will talk to you soon. Bye!